Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Not just for Louisiana, but for the entire northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. edition of Monday Night Football. We always start off our show with a prayer. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, thanks for letting us have this uh, this podcast and letting us really be have a large audience throughout the area. Pray that this podcast continue to further soccer at the youth level uh, so that we can hopefully make it better at the adult level. In Christ's name we pray, Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, I'm, I'm coming to you taping on the 26th. I've got a chance to see the U.S.-Jamaica game last night. And the comments I heard after the game about how great the game was just blew my mind. Um, uh, you watch the game yourself and tell me what you think. I mean, we have a lot of young talent. And, you know, we have a really good coach. I think Coach Borhalter is a good coach. But they were using words that you would use to describe Spain and Italy as they possess the ball and and like we're nowhere near that proficient, uh, to say the least. And we do have a long way to go. And uh, we've been arguing on this show since 2005, since we've been on the air about you know what the problem is. Of course, we know what the problem is. And uh, we talked about it two shows ago again. And and uh, we kind of talked about it the last show uh, about the fact that you know we don't have equal access to this level of soccer. Like today, we're going to analyze the national championships, okay? Um, and to get to the national championships, you don't just go, okay? You've got to raise money to go, and and so therefore, you know, even no matter what kind of club team you have, whether it's AAU basketball or it's um, you know um, American Legion baseball. Uh, the parents have to foot the bill, or somebody's got to foot the bill. So when you get a national championship team. Um, it always comes with a grain of salt because everybody knows that, okay, well, well was this the best? Uh, one team that won the national championship recently was our Little League team, and I'm sure they had to foot the bill too, but I'm sure Little League um, had something to say with, with footing that bill. You know, By the same token, I bet you every one of those kids were affluent. So uh, one thing I'm proud about when it comes to scholastic soccer, yes, we have rich schools and poor schools, but if the poor schools are properly, properly um, uh, scheduled and and uh, and funded with some minimal degree, I mean they can win the national champion. I mean not the national, but the state championship. It's a lot harder. I know it is. Uh, you see teams like West Jefferson out there uh, really competing at a high level, but then they, they really can't get to the to the finals. And, you know, it gets kind of frustrating when you see that, you know, the teams that they're playing against, they were able to go and get take a jet plane to Dallas or to Washington and the, and the playing tournaments there, you know, and to get that kind of experience, which is priceless, y'all. I took my Dallas, I mean, my brother Martin team in 2003 to Tampa, Florida, and they were the number one team in the country at that time. And beating them on their own turf, uh, we came back. We felt like we were invincible, which was uh, probably our undoing because we were the state runners-up that year. But traveling, especially I like to travel abroad, um, 
have been to Europe five times, uh, that kind of traveling just creates experiences that develop players. And, and, uh, I, th- I do believe, and I think a lot of y'all who, who tune into this show every week, uh, it's a big bunch of y'all. I appreciate y'all, y'all patronage. I think y'all would agree with me that we're developing our richest players instead of developing our best players. And uh, a lot of these kids who can't afford to play, they wind up, guess what? Playing football. Football is free. Okay. Um, basketball and baseball is doing their best to try to make the mistakes that we're making here and uh, making it a for-profit organization. But football, y'all, if football, if a, if a uh, decent athlete who's eight years old walks into one of the nord playgrounds or jefferson parish playgrounds around here says i want to play football they pay three dollars to pay for insurance and then they're on the field with 200 300 worth of equipment on them and and it's taken care of and guess where these kids wind up with they're really really good they wind up playing d1 football and nfl football okay and uh how can we not understand that it 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 blows my mind and every year i'm doing this show every year i'm coaching soccer since 1986 to me, you know, you don't have to have a multi-million dollar study, which USU soccer right now is doing. I don't know how much they're spending. I've kind of exaggerated the monetary part of it, but uh, they're spending a ton of money trying to figure out, quote unquote, why we can't get poor kids to play. Well, hello, it's not that. It's not that deep to figure out. Anyway, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna put our finger on the pulse. Of of uh of our country's youth soccer by an- analyzing the U.S. youth soccer championships, and I'm I'm not going to analyze the U.S. club soccer championships. I'm kind of, you know, uh, against us having so many championships. Uh, it, it's very confusing as to who's the real national champions. I wish that the U.S. club national champions would play the U.S. youth national champions, but that's another show for another day. Out there, uh, USU soccer is the oldest kid on the block. And, and uh, so we're going to analyze those. We talked about our L.A. Fire team that, um, that uh, won the U.S. Club Soccer Championship two weeks ago uh, on our show. And, again, you can listen to all of those interviews and all of our past shows either on our um, Facebook page, that's Monday Night Football, or go to Crescent City Sports and look at their uh, library of all of our shows that we've had for, for a long, long, long time. Okay? Um, so on the next segment... We're going to look over the USU soccer, but on this segment, let's let's look at the two teams that represented Louisiana and uh, forked up the money to go play and uh, and represent our state. First of all, for U.S. club soccer, uh, our Shreveport United 03 girls team, uh, they call themselves the blue team, went um, to play um, in um, in Colorado and they wound up going one two and zero. Oh. Okay, um, their results were they tied, excuse me, they lost on July 16th to the Pace Setter um, Soccer Club. It plays in the ECNL. You see how it gets confusing right away. What's the ECNL? Um, anyhow, I think, I think uh, you know, I guess I ramble a little bit, but maybe MLS soccer might do away with all of these different um, championships. We'll see how it all works out. But on Saturday, July 17th, uh, they wound up beating uh, a Washington team called the Surf, uh, 2-1. to one. But then they had to play the Sting, and in Louisiana, we're familiar with the Sting. Uh, 
they're branching out to Louisiana and uh, they're from Dallas uh, and they lost to the Sting three to nothing. Now in U.S. Youth Soccer, Louisiana Fire um, put their metal M E T T L E up and and tried to compete for both championships. Okay, and so on July twentieth, um, they wound up playing Cincinnati, a really uh, good club there, Cincinnati United Cup goal team. Um, they tied them one to one, and then they had to wake up early in the morning and they had to face the team that wound up winning the national title, El La Roca F C out of utah okay um and wait till you see the utah teams that were successful this year anyhow they lost to them for nothing and then had to get up in the morning on the 22nd and play philadelphia team and uh one thing i was not aware of until making the show is that philadelphia is so good uh not philadelphia pennsylvania is so good that they have to split the state in half like we do with texas and california and so uh, Philadelphia represents the east of Pennsylvania, and, and they won that contest 4-1. to one. So um, that's our Louisiana teams, Farad. Now we're going to look at the rest of the country after we take this break on Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. I'm Coach Allen Redder. I'm the head soccer coach at De La Salle uh, High School and also the director of coaching at Soccer Innovations. And uh, we'd love to have you participate by uh, engaging us at the at sign MNFUTBOL on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, we'll see you after the break. At the Olive Branch Cafe, only the freshest ingredients go into everything we serve. Our dough is prepared daily, and now the West Bank's best-tasting pizza is delivered 10.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. seven days a week. The Olive Branch Cafe, Marrero and Algiers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Again, I'm Coach Alan DeRitter, and now let's take a look at the country as a whole. You can see this chart that I've compiled up on Monday Night Football's Facebook page. It'll be right underneath our show if you just scroll down. I did this with the state championships to find out what clubs were really dominating in Louisiana. And so I, I put this formula to work with U.S. club soccer. And I hope that all of the people at U.S. soccer kind of appreciate this and think this was a good idea. Just another way to look at the data. What I did was for if a state produced a Division One winning team, that means that they won the National Championship Series, they get four points. If the state produced a team that was the runner-up, Okay, they got three points, and I love to analyze the semifinal results too, but U.S. soccer, if you if, if you were interested in that, maybe we can have a phone call, and so that way I could justify the time I spent on it with my wife. I do look at the President's Cup too, because a lot of teams hide in the President's Cup that belong in Division One, and they're probably pretty very good, but I'm going to only give them two points for winning the President's Cup and one point for being the runner-up. So with all that said and done, okay, as you can look at the data that's there, 19 states wound up winning something, getting putting up points on the board. And uh, I was expecting it to be dominated by the western region and the southeast region. And that's just, a, I guess, a 
preconceived notion that I have knowing club soccer for the amount of years that I've had that California is so powerful that they had to uh, cut it in half and Texas is so powerful that they had to cut it in half. Well, as I said in the last segment, you know, I want to get an education that we've got Pennsylvania cut in half, Ohio cut in half as well. And there's just a lot of competition in the other divisions and it wound up panning itself out. The team that was just un believable not the team but the state rather is utah that came out of nowhere for me uh, i'm working with a coach from utah right now i uh, just moved to de la Salle, and he's been telling me how great athletics is in utah and i'm kind of like yeah 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 uh but uh look at the athletes we have out here in louisiana he's a football coach and when his team was ranked in the country and and that now I can see what's what what he's talking about. Okay, uh, Utah wound up getting twenty one uh, far beyond everybody. The closest other state was Florida, twenty one uh, Division one points. That's having winners and runners up. Uh, they wound up having five Division two points, which tells me also that they're not hiding their teams in Division two, and these teams are probably in Division two because that's where they have to survive. And, and so they wound up ranked number one. They were, what, 15 points ahead, anybody close to them. The teams that were close, the states that were close, were California South, okay, Florida, and Illinois. They were tied for second. California South wound up with eight premier points and three Division Two points, whereas Florida had 11 premier points. Now they had zero Division Two points, which... That's that's a pretty strong statement that they they sent a lot of their teams to to Division One. I. I truly believe a team should be playing in the highest category it can be. Anyhow, Illinois. I knew that soccer was good in Illinois. Uh, I thought it was, and it panned out that they had seven premier points and four Division Two points. So uh, when you look at that, those were your top four states now. Pennsylvania wound up with also tied for second. I left them out. Eastern Pennsylvania had 10 premier points and one Division II point. And Pennsylvania West wound up having zero premier points and three Division II points. You have four teams tied for second. California South, Florida, Illinois, and Pennsylvania East. And then... After that, with only with ten points, only one point off was Nevada. Nevada wound up with six premier points and four Division two points. They're kind of balanced out there. Then a, a state that finished seventh place was a surprise to me, and I guess it shouldn't be. It's Michigan. Michigan got seven premier points, zero Division two points. Uh, I guess soccer is strong in Michigan, and then Texas North winds up in eighth place, and no Texas South teams made it so texas north get four premier points and two division two points to get eighth get an eighth place ninth place was new jersey which was a surprise to me i just never heard much noise being coming out of new jersey they wound up with four premier points and one division two point virginia wound up with four premier points and one division two points so they were both ranked ninth Kentucky was a surprise to me. I did coach a player from Kentucky, and and I sent one of my best players to play for the University of Kentucky before they wound up dropping the program in the in the uh, 90s. 
you know, 2000s. But anyhow, Kentucky wound up with four premier points with zero Division Two. Then Indiana, right after them, had with three premier points and one Division Two point. And then Ohio North was also ranked 10th with three premier points and one Division Two point. So that was your 10th place teams. Outside of the 10th place were two teams tied for 11, two states tied for 11. That was Pennsylvania West and New England. State that I did not expect tied for 13th was Idaho, and they were tied with Kansas. All of their points there were not premier. They were all Division Two, And then North Carolina was tied with them in 13th place with two Division Two points, and then Minnesota and West Virginia won getting two. They both had runner-ups in Division Two, So that's 19 out of 50 states. Now, when I look at this, unlike looking at the Louisiana tabulations, okay, where you see three dominant clubs, here we see it, the wealth is kind of spread out. I, I would still like to do some extra research as to what Utah is doing right. Okay, I don't think this is an accident or a coincidence, okay? They... Double the amount of points anybody else had, and there, there's got to be a reason for it. Something's going right in Utah, and I'm going to try to go take a look at it. We always know California, Florida, Texas, you know, all those places are going to be strong. But Utah being on the top like that, and not just like squeaking it, I mean, they're, they're totally dominated this year. Uh, we need to take a look at this. But uh, it was it was balanced throughout the whole country, okay? Division uh, Midwest states were up there and represented well. Western states other than California were represented well, okay? And Nevada was a big surprise to me. I mean, they, they wound up getting 10 points altogether. But the highest rank was Utah with 26. So, you know, they weren't that wasn't bad. They were ranked sixth. And then, of course, you know, the Southern teams, I didn't think there were enough of them. Really, I think now in the South region area, we're kind of evening out. You know, it's not just like Texas and Florida blowing everybody out of the water. And rep the only people who can represent Region 3 um, where we're at. And and so even have Minnesota represented. So my hat's off to U.S. youth soccer in that regard. And it's it's balanced as, as best as I can see. Looking at this now, this is my spin on it. For what we have in place right now, this the wheel's not broken, okay? We're developing true national championship-level teams equally in all regions of our country, okay? that That's a really positive sign. thing that I, I would like to fix would be the, the system itself when it comes to getting the poor playing, okay? All right, I'm not going to beat that dead horse here again twice on the same show but if we can maybe keep the system intact all right the, the system is working here and and somehow bring in the poor that that's what i would like to see happen i don't think mls next is going to solve that problem if anything i think it's going to wind up creating confusion because now we're going to be talking about u.s club soccer u.s youth soccer and then mls next i just I don't think that is, I think that's going to be the solution to our Louisiana problems, MLS next, because Louisiana was not, we didn't earn a point. We had, we sent two teams to, you you know, one to U.S. club and one to U.S. youth and, and washed out. 
And for the most part, that's what Louisiana teams do. If they do get to the finals, we're always happy that they get to the championship level, get through their regions, and and, and represent uh, Region 3. In this case, that just didn't happen. And so MLS next might get our kids who are on these teams more exposure. But again, you're solving the problem of uh, how do we make the players that are playing better? Okay, and I think that's a strategy for U.S. soccer. They've got to look at, yes, we are still making the players that we have worthy enough of being able to play on our two professional level leagues, okay, in the United States. But like Ibrahim Ibrahim said when he scored uh, for L.A. Galaxy, he's a a Ferrari among Fiats. And uh, that was hard to hear, but that is the truth. And... I would like to see us become Ferraris here in the United States and watching the game last night. Of course, our girls, you know, because of Title IX, you know, our girls have been on the top uh, for, since the onset of making women's soccer a FIFA level sport and having a women's World Cup. The other countries are, are catching up, okay? The, the girls lost to Sweden, I think, 3 nothing a couple days ago. Where where the clubs are investing their their efforts with the women's game, they're reaping great great results. And I think our dominance of world soccer in in the girls division is over in the women's division. I think that we're going to be in the upper tier though. Um, we've got a great head start, but now our girls are being developed in this system that we have presently. And who would you rather have on your team? A girl that was trained by the uh, Sporting FC, uh, Kansas City or by Manchester City in England, okay? what If you're going to take these two players and develop them from the six-year-old age and move them forward, what, what player do you think is going to be developed better? At the Manchester City level, they're going to go out and find the best players that they can and develop them from a young level at their expense, whereas, you know... I mean, I do see the fire in all our MLS clubs dipping down and giving sponsorship to to a lot of these elite clubs that we have here. But at the same token, they're not they're not funneling money, or at least not that much money that way, so that we can't get maybe the best athlete at the five, six, and seven year old level. And again, if you want to get that athlete turned on to play soccer, so they don't go play for the NFL, uh, they're gonna, you're going to have to get them playing at seven and eight okay because that's when football gets them playing they get them playing at six okay if you don't believe me if you live in the new orleans area in about a month go to any playground and see how many kids are playing football okay with two hundred dollars worth of equipment on all right the, the, the playground right by de La Salle high school they have a league <laughs> not just teams but a league for multiple teams at the six-year-old age bracket Okay, so uh, to me, it's not rocket science to see why our men's team is not going to crack the top five anytime soon, especially with the World Cup looming. Not uh, that, that team I saw last night. And our women's team is going to be at the top, but they're going to have a whole lot more company than they used to have as soon as, as 10 years ago. So we're going to need to wake up, everybody. We need to wake up, okay? Um, what we're doing is fantastic compared to what we were doing 30 years ago, but we still got a long way to go if our goal is to put a team uh, higher than where we went in 2002 with Landon Donovan's group that wound up losing to Germany. 
Um, to turn that corner, I think it has to be done at the, at the lower levels. Well, let me know what you think. I'm tired of uh, boring y'all with that. But uh, y'all, it, to me, it is if you're if you're a surgeon and you have to go in in triage, you have to deal with the person who's injured in front of you. What do you do if you have somebody with a hangnail and a bullet wound? What are you going to treat first? Of course, you're going to treat the bullet wound first. And the bullet wound here is our youth, okay, are attracting young players from the grassroots to play. And uh, that that's just, uh, to me, an obvious sore. And we need our leadership to, to, to listen to us down here. And hopefully, this show is going to be part of that. We, we Again, for those of you who are new listeners, I'm sending this out to the brass in U.S. soccer. We've been on there a long time. We're not pitting soccer people against soccer people. We're all in the same boat, as far as I'm concerned, trying to promote soccer in the United States. And what we need to do is find a way to gather our resources and work together and come up with a solution that, to me, is kind of an obvious one to, to, to have. And so we're not trying to point fingers and get people fired and put people in a defensive mode and things of that nature that's not what we're about here but we are about honest or frank discussions as to you know where do we need to go so that so our country stands still when they see our u.s teams playing in the world cup businesses are closing to watch the games and that kind of stuff that you see in europe and brazil and argentina okay when their teams play all right let us know what you think at M-N-F-U-T-B-O-L on Twitter and on Facebook. I don't hide out there. Uh, you can email me directly at LA Prep Soccer. My username is A. DeRitter. And I would gladly uh, respond. And, and if you got a different spin as to what the problems are and what the solutions are more, I would rather you come up with that instead of just gripe about the problems. Let's hear what you got to say. All right, and let's move soccer forward. Well, that's going to do it for this week. God bless you and your families. Carpe diem in Christ. And let's enjoy the Olympics and see if our girls can finish on top. This is Alan DeRitter wishing y'all a great night.